I like to think that I'm smarter than the average bear. If I were an FBI agent, if I were a criminal investigator, I'd figure it out. So I watch a lot of crime drama, Monk, NCIS, Agatha Christie, and more often than not, when I'm watching these shows, I'm surprised. Oh, the dad did it? It was the dad? Here's the catch. Ginny and I are now re-watching NCIS for the third time. That means I've seen each one of these episodes twice already. I'm still surprised. <laughs> it was the Admiral all along. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Right? So I like to think that I'm smarter than the average bear. And then all those crime sh series prove me wrong. So when I saw the movie, The Sixth Sense, I was beside myself. If you've never seen this movie, I'm going to ruin it for you today. There's no point in watching it after today, okay? In the movie, The Sixth Sense, uh, Bruce Willis portrays a psychiatrist. And this psychiatrist is helping a young boy who claims to see dead people all the time. And, and it's not until the end of the movie where Bruce Willis is trying to talk to his wife. She's asleep on the couch and her hand opens up and the, a man's wedding ring falls out, hits the floor, rolls across the floor. Bruce looks at his hand and there's no wedding ring there. And in that moment, you realize for the entire length of the movie, he's actually been dead. Right, mind blown. And so there's a series of flashbacks and every single scene takes on all whole new meaning because you realize that's right, he was dead. Oh my goodness, like it just opens everything up. So that's kind of what I mean when I say everything in the Bible points to Jesus. That's kind of what I mean by that. Everything, it's like, what? Oh my goodness, like, it just kind of it just kind of points Jesus is and has been God's plan the whole time. It's not like after Adam and Eve kind of messed everything up, they had an emergency meeting in heaven where you know all the angels and you know the God had got together and like, man, it's a mess down there. It's sin and death. Did you see what happened to Abel? I mean, holy cow. This is we got to do something. A uh, boss, I got an idea. Like, no, that's not how that played out. Paul tells us that Jesus was God's plan from the foundation of the world, right? So Jesus has been God's plan all along, which is why rejecting Jesus is such a huge deal. Because when you're rejecting Jesus, you're rejecting all that God is doing. And by the way, Jesus himself says this in John chapter five, in talking to the Pharisees and the Jewish religious leaders, Jesus says this, if you really believed Moses, you would believe me because Moses wrote about me. Moses wrote about me. Um, the Jewish leaders of the first century were all about team Moses, 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 Moses. I mean, Mo, you know, you couldn't get bigger than Moses. And for Jesus to say that he was upsetting the apple cart. And so Jesus is basically saying, you know, Moses wrote about me, you know, the guy who's going to deliver people out of bondage, me, <laughs> me, the law, perfectly obeying God, doing what pleases God, me totally have that in the bag. Um, the tabernacle, God dwelling with his people, me, also me. I'm opening a new way where God will send his spirit to be in you, inside of you. Sacrifice of Isaac, also really about me, pointing to me, the ultimate sacrifice. 
Joshua conquering the uh, promised land, doing what Moses couldn't do, me. <laughs> David, the shepherd king, uh, really, who is supposed to be a good shepherd, but instead eats one of the sheep by sleeping, killing the man and sleeping with the man's wife. Jesus says, no, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. So everything points to Jesus. Now, most Americans don't appreciate how big or important this is. And so we kind of ignore anything that's not about Jesus or the letters of Paul. And so we kind of, you know, Old Testament stuff, we're like, eyes roll in the back of the head and, and we kind of surpass it like it's no big deal. But Jesus is better. And I want to make a case today for the fact that Jesus is the true and better human. This is what Paul is saying in one of his letters, uh, his letter to the church in Rome. Jesus is the true and better human. The only way to recover your full humanity is through Jesus. You won't get there through self-help. You won't get there by trying harder. You won't get there by trying to obey all the stuff in the Bible. Jesus is the true and better human. So I want to read this passage from Romans, Romans chapter 5. And then I want to kind of help you make some connections about what Paul is saying here. So Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 19. When Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but not counted it as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was to come. There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one righteous person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Paul is contrasting Adam and Jesus, the first Adam and the second Adam. Adam and Jesus. Here's what we know about this from Genesis. God made people to be like him in his image. God made people in such a way that people can contain God within them in a way that cats and dogs and whales cannot. We can actually have God in us, which is why when God decides to visit creation, he becomes a human. It's the only container that can contain God on the inside. And so God then gave humans dominion and authority over creation, told them, you're going to be in charge of everything in my name, and you're going to rule on my behalf. But those original human beings, they didn't trust God. They thought God was holding out on them. They doubted. They 
disobeyed. And in the wake of that, all this stuff enters creation. Nakedness, shame, confusion, strife, death. When you think in your head, I'm not worthy to be loved. When you think in your head, if only they knew the real me, they'd reject me. When you think in your head, I'm ruined by what I've done. Like I've done some despicable things. There's no way that God could ever forgive me. No way that God could ever love me. When you think in your head, I'm ruined because of what's been done to me. I'm now so dirty and unclean in a way I could never be made clean again. When you think those thoughts, you're living out the consequence of Adam's rebellion. Um, It's dogged every single human being that's ever lived. And no one had to pull you aside and say, listen, you need to feel shame. Did anyone have to train you to feel shame? No, like it just happened. No one had to pull me aside and say, Max, you need to feel shamed about who you are at a core level. You are not it. Like, just feel that. Like, no one had to coach me on that. Like, it just happened (laughs) by being human, okay? It's dogged every human that's ever lived. Now, there's a concept for this that theologians call original sin. I've never talked about this before at Generations, but it's worth visiting today, right? Um, Anyone born in the line of Adam is guilty. It's on them. It's in them. They're stuck, trapped, helpless. Closest thing I can find in movies or culture to get close to this is the latest James Bond movie in 2021. So James Bond goes against this supervillain that has taken this substance that if you put it on someone or they ingest it or they touch it on their skin, the substance is coded to kill other people through DNA stuff. And so James Bond gets in a fight with this supervillain that has this substance that can be programmed to only kill certain people. And at the end of the movie, James Bond gets into a knockdown fist, you know, gunfight, fist fight with the villain who breaks a vial that's coded to kill James Bond's wife and daughter. And now it's in him. There's no cure. There's no reversing it. It's permanent. It lasts forever. So any touch of the cheek that he does kills him. Any hug where he kisses her on a forehead kills him. No cure. Stuck. Trapped. Like that's the closest thing I can come to describing it. Now, we Americans, we don't like this whole collective solidarity thing. I don't know if you know this about you, but we Americans tend to be like, no, no, we read Romans 5 and we say, well, everybody's guilty because everybody sins. That's, that's the real reason. Everybody's, everybody's guilty because everybody does it. But Paul's making a point here and saying, no, 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 we're all kind of connected in this way. We're all kind of connected. We have it on it on us and in us before we ever take our first step, before we ever say our first word. Adam chose what we would have chosen if we had been given the choice. And if you don't believe me, go out today and buy a big thing of Oreos and just keep it in your house and don't eat it. (laughs) Right? I have Halloween candy right now, Halloween candy that I could not give out on Halloween. And every day I've said to myself, Mitch, I am not going to have any Halloween candy today. I've thought it. I've made a plan for it, and I have sat down on that couch with a handful of candy. Jenny has even been the voice of the Holy Spirit. Max, you said you weren't going to do that. I know. (laughs) And in my mouth, it is gone. Like, 
we can't even keep Oreos in the house. How on earth could we claim that if we had been in the garden, we would have obeyed, we wouldn't have done that stuff? Come on. And the other part of this is that we've all ratified what Adam and Eve did in our own lives. And what I mean by that is we've all had these moments where we've thought to ourselves, I know better than God. Um, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I don't care what God has to say. How many times in your life have you known what the right thing to do was, but you did the opposite? That's us. And because of that, there's nakedness and shame and confusion and strife and death. I got to tell you, I don't like the doctrine of original sin. I don't. It rubs me the wrong way. I want to be judged by me, not my dad, not my heritage, not my community. But I want to point out that the very first death, one of the consequences of sin entering the world, isn't Adam or Eve. You know who the first person to die was? Abel. Abel's sacrifice was what? Pleasing to God. And he dies at the hand of his brother. Unfair. You're doing it wrong, God. Like, right? <laughs> There's this aspect where we, where we respond that way, okay? Um, so now I think we're finally ready to actually hear what Paul is saying when he says this. For the sin of the one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus. And the result is so very different. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. Okay? So we're all born into Adam, but many of us are born into, again, into Jesus. Okay? Um, why is anyone saved? Not because of what they bring to the table, not because of the righteousness of, of another, but because of what Jesus did, which I find ironic because that's the gospel. If you've been in any church where you've heard the gospel, that's part of the gospel. That's the way it's expressed. Yet, if I sit down with American after American and I ask them, do you believe in God? Yeah. Do you think there's an afterlife? Yeah. How does that work? Well, you know, you should probably go to church and pray. Like they, they, they spit out the list. You got to earn your way. And then I encounter people who said yes to Jesus and responded to the gospel and they'll say to me, God doesn't love me anymore. Like I've, my life is a train wreck. I've done this or that. And, like, and I'm like, when was God's love for you based on anything that you were bringing to the table in the first place? Like, and so we de-gospelize ourselves constantly, okay? Paul is saying that there are two family lines, one from Adam and one from Jesus. And you're either tied to Adam or you're tied to Jesus, you don't like that you got included in Adam's line, you can respond to Jesus and get connected to the Jesus line. Jesus is the true and better Adam. Jesus is the true and better human. I want to make another connection for you. In the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, Eden, Adam had a choice to submit to the Father's will or die because of his sin. Adam chose willingly to sin and ruined it for everybody. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had a choice to submit to the will of his Father and die in humanity's place. And Jesus chose to die and made a way for you and I to recover our true humanity. Okay?
Adam and Jesus, okay? What does it mean to be fully human? I really want to just lead to this question. What does it mean to be fully human? Does it mean to be filled with shame? Condemned? Paralyzed? Alone? Like, is that what it means to be human at a fundamental level? Or does, in fact, Jesus show us what it means to be truly human? In Jesus, I am loved. I am redeemed. I belong. I've been made clean. I'm fully known. I'm full of his strength. The case I want to make to you today is that Jesus is the true and better humanity. Jesus is the true and better humanity. So, what are some ways you and I can, like, take this home? Well, first and foremost, you didn't have a choice in being born where you were born. You didn't get asked before you came out of the chute, you know, hey, do you have a preference in time and human history? Would you like America, Sweden? Like, what, what's good for you? Like, no one had a clipboard and asked you. You were just born. And then you were born into the line of Adam, as all humans have been. And you got this sin stuff in you and on you. But any of us, through the power of God's spirit, can choose to be born again. We can make that choice, and then God takes what's dead and makes it alive. The second thing is that your hope is actually unshakable because it's tied to Jesus and not what you're bringing to the table. Um, I don't sweat facing God one day, someday. I don't anymore. So if, God, if I encounter God in some kind of afterlife scenario and he's like, Max, what's your deal? What's going on? Like, what, what I plan to say is, um, Jesus, like, I'm with him. <laughs> Guess what? That's all you need. <laughs> you don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. It's incredibly liberating. And then lastly, moms and dads, our behaviors and choices affect our children. None of us ever sin in isolation. So give your kids a front row seat to God's grace and mercy by how you testify to your own failings and weaknesses and God's forgiveness and grace. Trust me, by the time they're teenagers, they know you're sinful and broken. <laughs> they figured it out. So testify to God's grace and mercy. Okay? So I want to close out today with an extended quote from this man, Tim Keller, because I, I want you to see how everything points to Jesus. Uh, he gave a talk in 2007 to a group of reformed pastors, and, uh, and he just went on this little riff about Jesus. Everything points to Jesus, okay? And so if you want, you can close your eyes and just listen to these words, but he does, I'm just going to quote him at length here. It's an entire page of quote. You can do this. We're all grown-ups. Um, how Jesus is the true and better anything. Anything. Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel who though innocently slain, has blood that now cries out, not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. Jesus is the true and better Abraham, who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void, not knowing he went to create a new people of God. 
Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us. And when God said to Abraham, now I know you love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son whom you love from me. Now we can look at God taking his son up the mountain and sacrificing him and say, now we know God that you love us because you did not withhold your son, your only son whom you love from us. Jesus is the true and better Jacob who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserved. So we like Jacob only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his power to save them. Jesus is the true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the true and better rock of Moses who struck with the rod of God's justice now gives us water in the desert. Jesus is the true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer who then intercedes for us and saves his stupid friends. Jesus is the true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk leaving an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate and heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. Jesus is the true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. Jesus is the real rock of Moses, the real Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, the true bread. Everything points to Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. People will, you know, people say, I just, I just want to be happy. I just want my kids to be happy. I just want to make a go at life. You want to be truly happy? You want to be truly free? You want to know what it is to be loved and lovable? You want to be forgiven? You want to be the kind of human that we see in Jesus? It's Jesus. Look to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's all I got is to point you to Jesus. So, I just wanted to make these connections today. I know most of my preaching is so practical, but I want you to see how really everything in here points to Jesus. And that's a good thing.